Welcome to another exciting episode of Confessions of a Christian Kid. This is Christopher David Gray, where we are cutting through religion to find the true Christ. And in this episode, I'm going to review the Jesus Music documentary that I just got done watching about 15 minutes ago in the movie theater. Number one, it was just great. You should go see it. Yeah, it was it was amazing. It was really amazing perspective for me. Probably the biggest thing that stuck out to me, of course, is you know growing up as a kid who originally was listening to contemporary Christian music and gospel music and going to church where we had drums and rock and roll and then going into this Bill Gothard thing where rock and roll was from the devil. It just gave me this really cohesive look at the whole movement of Christian music and what it meant and the pioneers and the flack that they got from religion surrounding their music. I guess for me personally, that's the thing that really resonated the most is just seeing this story about how, you know, the hippies started this thing they called Jesus Music, Calvary Chapel in California. When the hippies are flunking out of drugs and realizing like this isn't working. And so this whole Jesus movement started and they started playing music and then it became this whole rock and roll in the church thing. Oh my gosh, it really, like I said, it just really resonated seeing how these artists were really pioneers of using music in a contemporary way to bring people's attention to spiritual truth, getting people's attention on God, on Christ, on Jesus. Fun fact, what do Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith, Kevin Max, Michael Tate, Bebo Norman have in common? The answer is, I personally have waited on all of them. Living here in Middle Tennessee, I was working at a restaurant in Nashville where I waited on Amy Grant and Vince Gill, and at one point, Michael W. Smith. At the time, I was friends with the bass player in his band, who's actually cousins with Joel Smallbone and the guys from King and Country, and they are cousins with Rebecca St. James, who was one of my favorite contemporary Christian music artists back in the day. And then also, what's interesting about the timing of watching this documentary is that I just saw Michael W. Smith at a music festival here in Middle Tennessee. First Christian music festival I'd gone to in a very long time. And other artists that were going to be there were like the Newsboys, which was one of my favorites, and Skillet. John from Skillet, he was featured in the documentary. And what's funny is I saw them 20 years ago in Twain Hart, California, which is a town of like 3,000 people. And they played at a church sleepover for... I don't know, like 40 kids. And that was a really significant time in my life because I was coming out of this, you know, rock and roll is evil. Rock and roll is from the devil. And now I'm starting to go back and I'm starting to listen to all this Christian rock music that I wasn't allowed to listen to. And it was really powerfully connecting with me. I remember I was having my quiet times that I would have sometimes were not so quiet. Sometimes I would put on headphones and listen to music like Skillet had a worship album that really resonated with me because I saw them live play this and I just felt the spirit of God when I was singing along and I when they were performing this music. And it was such a mind-blowing time for me, right? Personally, to be like, oh, wow, God is in this music. 
this music can be a vehicle to get close to God. And when you experience that positive feeling that music, that worship gives you, it's just undeniable, right? I mean, this is why I became a songwriter, one of the reasons, because I can get into a headspace where, I mean, honestly, even if I'm not singing a song about God, just having music and singing channeling through you is just a divine act. It just feels that way, right? Why do we sing? Why do we listen to music? Why do we worship with music? The only reason we do this, the only reason that I do it is because it feels good. It feels good. It feels right. It feels like this music and these words and this vibration of the sound going through me and me using my voice and my heart and my mind and my soul. It's like a heart, soul, mind, body experience. I can raise my hands. I can dance. I can focus all of my entire being on God, on the divine, on love, on the future, on hope, on heaven. It's a powerful thing. It's real. I mean, in this documentary, it's just, wow. Music is a vehicle for the spirit. I mean, I'm just going to say it that way, right? But this whole experience that we can have, it really feels like heart, soul, mind, and body all focused in one direction. The, the only other thing that I know that I've experienced that competes with that experience is having sexual intercourse, right? Sex. The reason why sex is so powerful is because it's a heart, soul, mind, body experience. It's a an experience where you are completely, every part of your being is focused on one thing. It's a very spiritual experience. So this music, uh, this, this documentary, the Jesus music was powerful. I really liked how they did it, the people they included in it, the way they told the story. My hero, Steve Taylor, was in the documentary, although he was in there just very briefly. I wish they would have used him more. But of course, Michael W. Smith, Amy Grant, Kirk Franklin, they did a big section on DC Talk. They were really influential, all those guys. Going back to some of the early guys, like I remember DeGarmo and Key. Um, I remember listening to them. I really liked them. And then it was really interesting. They were talking about Striper, and but I won't spoil it, but the story that Michael Sweet from Striper talks about in the documentary is just, it's just soul-crushing. And it, it really kind of centralizes this idea of how the religious attitude of the church was really against these guys, was really against this music. And especially people like Jimmy Swaggart saying, this is the devil's music. Watching this was really good for me. As I do this review, I'm I'm literally kind of censoring myself because there's some things that I want to say, but they're sort of like powerful punchlines that I don't want to ruin for you if you go to see it. Like the date that Michael W. Smith's worship album was released is just really, really powerful. So here I am watching this documentary, someone like me who left the church, but I'm telling you, it really made me want to go to church. It made me want to, man, because I know I used to go to church here in Middle Tennessee, and as you can imagine, the musicianship here near Nashville, Tennessee in churches is just phenomenal. I mean, I was actually on the worship team with this church that I went to when we first came here, or I wasn't on the team, but I was pinch hitting a couple times. I was on the stage with a drummer from Jars of Clay, 
or he had he, it was a guy who had who had played drums with jars of clay frequently our bass player was the bass player for michael w smith and he was also the band leader and then the keyboard player that day was actually michael w smith's son <laughs> and and here's me on the stage you know playing i was either playing rhythm acoustic guitar or bass guitar those are my main go-tos and um yeah, so that's the kind of talent that we have around here in, in Middle Tennessee, where I live. And walking out of this documentary made me just kind of miss that worship, you know? And I guess one of the things for me, the main thing that I'm going to walk away from... Uh, the main thing that I'm going to walk away, that I'm taking away from this documentary is... I really just don't want to judge people, you know? Um, I mean, you all know that I left the church. It's not because I don't love people. It's not because these aren't great people. Um, like I can tell you, for instance, um, waiting on Kevin Max from DC talk, like that guy's one of the coolest, most awesome guys I've ever met. Like he does not act like someone with his voice should act. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> his voice is one of the most unique, incredible voices that I admire so much. And I can't remember if I even got to tell him that, but he's great. His family is great. Um, and the people that I went went to church with and the people that I shared the stage with when I was on the worship team those couple of times were amazing and awesome. Like I didn't leave the church because of people and this documentary, it just makes me, I just don't want to judge. I just don't want to judge people. And I want, and I guess this is good. I want my audience to know, like, I'm not judging people. If it, it just, it makes me, it's like this full circle I was, I'm a Pharisee. I was a Pharisee and I judged the people. Like I judged the Christian music people and they were getting judged by the church. And now I'm the guy who's, you know, trying to point a finger towards what I believe is Christ's true message. And you better believe I have all kinds of insecurity about that. Like I don't, I don't want, I kind of feel like I am John the Baptist. And at one point in my life, actually, well, truthfully, I did ask for that. I thought it would be cool. You know, when I was a kid, I was like, hey, God, yeah, I want to be like John the Baptist. I'm one of these guys that just like doesn't give up, you know, like just speaks the truth, man. Like that's who I want to be. And um, it's not that awesome. It's not that awesome to be, you know, following what you believe is God's leading for your life and then be misunderstood by the very people that you really truly want to reach. And that's what I saw in this documentary. And it just makes me really admire these Christian pioneers who pioneered, you know, this Jesus music and using music to focus on God. I can't do this review without talking about Lauren Daigle. Um, I recently discovered her in the last year, like since my divorce and kind of in love with her, honestly, kind of have a crush on her. I actually bought a 
poster. I bought a Lauren Daigle poster, you guys. And I feel really weird about it because I'm like, wait a second, you bought it. I've never bought a poster with a woman on it, like a singer or a celebrity or, or anything like that. And I bought this poster and it's, I still have it in the tube that it came from because I haven't put it up. I was going to put it up in my room because I have guitars hanging in my room, like behind me where I do my, where I record. I was doing a YouTube studio before this. And so I had guitars hanging up behind me. So it's sort of like my music room, but it's also my bedroom. And um, anyway, I really, I love Lauren Daigle. I think she epitomizes what a Christian artist is. And I, I just love the fact that she knows, I mean, just like Amy Grant figured out all those years ago, like you don't have to say Jesus in every song to be worshiping God with music, worshiping God with, with your life, with your voice, right? Connecting. It's really about connecting to God. Again, like that heart, soul, mind, body experience, you know, honestly, I think the fact that I was taught to judge Christian rock music so harshly, I think this documentary is showing me that that is still like vibrating in me, that judgment, that sin, sinful thought. It's a thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ, against love, against freedom, right? And so for what it's worth, I'm apologizing to all of the Christian music artists that I've ever judged. And I love you guys and I respect you, man. Like you really blazed a trail and you got it really hard from religion. The Christian religious people were really, really trying to pull these people down. We're really gunning for them. Of course, one of the things that really resonated to me about the documentary was them talking about Amy Grant's divorce and how people were just brutal to her about that and just like it's sickening and at one point in the documentary this guy says and this is just not surprising he says I know this is going to sound weird but you know the pop music audience and the country music audience they're actually more forgiving than the Christian music audience and it's just like it's so true it's so true, but we know, I know, and I think you know, that those people who say they represent Christ, but who are judgmental, like I was, like I used to be one of them, I get it, pulling people down, judging, that's the devil's music. The other thing that, that occurred to me, and I was talking to my mom, I went, with, went to see this documentary with my mom, she was a music major in college, she has an operatic soprano voice. Um, she was all, she always made a splash during worship time at church. Let me tell you, she had some volume on her pipes and sometimes I got a little embarrassed. Like my mom, she, when she, she could hit those notes, man. And she would just go for it. <laughs> I was walking out of the theater with my mom and I'm thinking, you know, that thing about the meat sacrifice to idols that I've been talking about on my podcast. I think that you can talk about music in that context. Like in other words, Hey people. If when you listen to this music, this rock and roll music, if it makes you think of the devil, well, then don't listen to it. Then you shouldn't listen to it. Then it's obviously directing your attention elsewhere. Or if you can't listen to contemporary Christian music without feeling judgmental or just without 
judging these people without having thoughts like I used to of like, how can these people call themselves Christians? They're putting themselves on the stage and they're dancing around and they're saying, look at me, like being center of attention. And I just thought like, how does that work with being a Christian and being judgmental? So if you can't listen to it, then don't. But we need to understand that judgment comes from your own heart. I know that now about me, that when I'm judging someone else, it's because I'm insecure. I'm projecting my insecurity and my sinful thoughts, my limiting beliefs on them. It's like in Paul's day, I'm sure this happened quite a bit, right? Somebody who's a Christian watching some other Christian buying meat that's been sacrificed to idols in the marketplace and and judging them. Like, how could you do that? That's why Paul wrote this passages. Like, hey, if you can't handle it, if that meat makes you think about the devil, then don't eat it. And the apostle Paul says in there, some people realize that everything came from God. Some people realize like, hey, there is only one God. We're not worshiping the devil. And I think Christians who attribute music to the devil, you're giving the devil more than he deserves. You're calling something that God called good evil. You're the one doing that. It's not true. So many of us know that objectively now who have had experiences where we all undeniably have truly got in touch with God through the Jesus music, through contemporary Christian music, through rock and roll style music. Experiences where we are connected to the divine through this music. So I'm sorry, old Southern Baptist guy who still thinks that rock and roll music is from the devil. Like if you haven't had that experience, then you wouldn't know. And that's okay. So then the other thing that I talked with my mom as we were parting ways in the parking lot was just, yeah, this this desire that I have to just take this opportunity to let go of this judgment. I don't want to judge. I want to be free of that. And it just helped me to see these people. And it was crazy for me, as you can imagine, too, that these people I'm seeing on the screen, like I've actually interacted with a lot of them. And yes, Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith, like they're amazing people. If you want to wait on some people, like these are people that you want to wait on. Like they are genuinely good people, right? Loving people. Man, I'm so glad. I'm so glad I watched that documentary. It's such a great perspective for me. It just is like so healing personally. And um, it was great to be there with my mom. Anyway, highly recommend the Jesus Music documentary. You've got to see it. Part of the documentary, of course, they talked about Amy Grant when she came out with that song, Baby Baby, and how it went huge and was crossover hit. And people were saying like, oh, that didn't talk about Jesus. And she got a bunch of flack about that. You know, the truth is Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and praise your father in heaven. So as an artist, someone like Amy Grant even someone like Lauren Daigle, let your light shine, man. If they want to put your song in a movie that's not Christian, yes, do that. Like shine your light wherever you can because you are the light. You're tapped into the light. You are tapped into the vine. You are spreading the light. And Jesus said, when you light a lamp, you don't hide it under a bowl. You hang it high so it gives light to everyone in the house. And to me, that's what real Christian music should be is a Christian who is making music, a Jesus person, someone who understands connecting to God through Christ and the power of music and shining their light. I know Lauren Daigle, of course, she sings a lot of very Christian worship songs, 
but she also sings some like secular songs that are just fun. And I think that's amazing. I think that's fantastic. I think the idea of Christians, people who are naming the name of Christ, standing on a stage and embracing all of the music, all of the good, positive, fun music that is available to us that we all love and listen to anyway. And embracing that is so powerful because it's like a Christian artist doing the opposite of what the church did to them. It's the Christian artist saying, you know what? I am not going to judge them. Not only am I not going to judge them, I am going to include them, include their music, their song, secular, quote unquote, secular music. I'm going to embrace that because ultimately I know that everything comes from God anyway. I can listen to songs like, I can see clearly now the rain is gone. I can see all obstacle in my way. I mean, I could sing songs like that and and feel the presence of God, right? It doesn't have to be directly God, Jesus. To me, going back to the heart of worship is almost like just realizing that music itself is a worship to God. Just when I pick up my guitar, it's just fun. God created this. He created me. He created my singing voice. He created, like, this is amazing, right? This is something that I can experience, heart, soul, mind, body experience. And absolutely, why should it not be that way? Why should not someone like Lauren Daigle, who has such a, literally a powerful, amazing singing voice, which is just incredible, who is getting recognition because she's such a great performer. And part of the reason why she's come on the scene is because She is genuine. She's authentic. She feels the music. You can tell when you listen to her music that she's channeling these lyrics, these words, these melodies from her core, from her soul. Like this is totally authentic. And when you have a delivery like that, it's just mesmerizing, right? It just cuts to you. It's very spiritual. It's a very spiritual experience. And so I don't care what Lauren Daigle is singing. Whatever she sings is going to be a spiritual experience for me. And um, I'll uh, I'll give you an update about whether or not I hang that poster in my bedroom. Um, that's kind of weird, right? It's not like I'm going to hang it over my bed because that's, that's weird. Uh, <laughs> if you, so if you want to know which poster it is, go online and look up Lauren Daigle posters and it's the one where she's laying on this couch she's she's wearing on this like 70s style couch and she's wearing what looks like thrift store clothes for like from the 1970s and I think it's one of the reasons why I, why I like it it looks like something it's totally a photo shoot from the 1970s she's wearing like bell bottoms and weird platform shoes and and whatever I thought it was a cool poster I think she's really cool I really like that she is an authentic spiritual person I mean, that's the other thing to mention. I thought it was really interesting in the documentary. Someone mentioned like it's time for another movement. There is another movement. I feel it. I don't feel like I'm doing this podcast all by myself. I feel like there already is a movement of people who understand that it's time for us to acknowledge that God, Christ, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of love is bigger than everything, includes everything, right? I really feel like the way that I'm seeing this now is even the Christians saying this is the devil music 
they're giving the devil something that is God's. It's like saying that sex is from the devil, right? Which is sadly actually sort of a sentiment that you hear in the church. Like people act as if the act of sexual intercourse is something bad. Yes, of course, it can be used in so many bad ways. Everything can be used in so many bad ways. Even music can be used in bad ways. You can sing about horrible things, right? Go punch a baby, go punch a baby. Like (laughs) you can use anything. You can use words, music for evil purposes. But I think the movement is continuing in that we are realizing like what the Apostle Paul said in Colossians that Christ is all and in all. This is one of my life missions. This is one of the purposes of this podcast is to help people to see this truth that Christ is all and in all. And instead of being afraid of Christ and instead of being afraid of becoming more like Christ, like the Israelites were afraid of getting close to God. So they sent Moses. We are all going to march in this direction, no matter what it takes, no matter how much your ego suffers. Believe me, The greatest thing that's happened to me in the last few years is these enormous hits against my ego, especially this divorce thing that I went through and how messy it was and the accusations that were thrown against me. So I'm not saying like, hey, going down this road, if you're really serious about taking your faith to the next level, realizing that becoming like Christ makes things so much easier. Well, the truth is it it's going to get really messy. It's going to get really messy. And so I'm not, don't want to sugarcoat this. And in the future, we're going to be talking about more of that concept of how I have learned that as I go forward in my life, more towards Christ, how the ego gets more and more chipped away and how it actually is painful. But as you go along, you identify less with the ego. And so that pain means less to you. And you start realizing the pain is actually a good thing because you're losing more and more of your fake identity and becoming more free, becoming more like Christ. And this idea of becoming more like Christ, believe me, when you start seeing what I'm seeing and experiencing what I'm experiencing, you will realize becoming more like Christ is the absolute most awesome rock and roll freedom, love, joy, peace experience that you can absolutely have on this earth. That your ego is the thing that is keeping you in suffering. The ego is the thing that's keeping you from becoming your true self. The ego is the thing that is preventing you, resisting the free energy of the universe, the free love energy that God has to offer. And that free love energy, man, we already know it. You can experience it through music, can't you? And there are so many amazing Christian songs that can get you there. It's just phenomenal. One of the songs that I'm going back to is God of Wonders, you know, that one with Mac Powell from Third Day is so powerful, man, right? It's just, it just is. And I don't have to understand it. I don't have to understand what's happening in my mind, heart, and body when I listen to that song. But I like it. I love it. I want more of it, right? In the future also, I just want to take this time to say, I'm going to talk about how in meditation, we can have the same sort of heart, soul, mind, body experience that spiritual music provides to us. It's the same concept. It's the exact same concept. Music is like a meditation catalyst, right? It's something that helps you to focus all of your energy, the heart, soul, mind, body on the divine, on God, on love, on Christ. And it's a very 
powerful experience. And you can learn how to do that in a meditation practice. Jesus talks about going to your closet, praying to the Father who is unseen. And that is where we do our spiritual work in the dark with our eyes closed. Jesus also made a comment about if your eye be single, your body will be full of light, which is a commentary on the Eastern principle of opening the third eye. So we're going to be talking about Jesus and meditation. But I wanted to mention that here because I'm going to expand on this idea that people realize that this experience that you can have through Christian worship music is also the same experience that you can learn how to do for yourself in meditation and prayer. Thank you so much for spending time with me. This has been Christopher David Gray with Confessions of a Christian Kid. Go see the Jesus Music documentary. Just do it. <laughs>